Okay, let's get it. Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona. Happy Monday from ESPN Radio Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria. Catch me every weekday afternoon, of course, on Cox Sports Television as well. Tigers, a winner, as we knew they would be on Saturday night. 65-14, to LSU beats Northwestern State. And you know the getting is good when, fan, when fans are collectively displeased with a 65-14 to win. Uh, we'll digest it all, uh, the good and the bad from Saturday night. Here were Ed Ogeron's thoughts after the game. We're Ed o- you know, we're going to digest this thing to look at it. We fought for 60 minutes, protect the team tonight, get some rest tomorrow. We start SEC play. We know how valuable it is. Vanderbilt is a very well-coached football team. They play hard. There's going to be a lot tougher than we've seen SEC play. But you know what? Hey, we're going to practice. We're going to get after it. We're gonna, you know, we play 11 o'clock. We're not going to blink. We're going to have a plan and get after it. A, a workmanlike attitude from the head coach there and uh, kind of how it felt, certainly I mean, when you go into half and it's uh, a 24-14 to 14 game against uh, an FCS opponent that was a 51-point underdog, there was a lot of, um, uh, of displeasure among fans. Certainly, I would imagine the players as well. Uh, busted coverage, touchdown for Northwestern State. They moved the ball in the first half as LSU was playing kind of soft. Um, but uh, LSU got rolling in the second quarter after putting up just a field goal in the first quarter and trailing 7-3. to Tigers got rolling with three touchdowns in the second quarter. They put up a four touchdowns in the third and then tacked on another two scores in the fourth quarter while pitching a shutout in the second half. And that's probably what needs to be the storyline. We'll talk about the offense and the defense individually throughout the game, but for whatever defensive struggles LSU had in the first half, they certainly made adjustments at halftime because not only was Northwestern State shut out in the second half, they had only three first downs and fewer than 100 yards of total offense. The Tiger defense really took over that ball game in the second half. Here was Ed Ogeron on the adjustments. You know, we played more man. We, you know, the zones weren't working. We played more man. We tightened up our guys in man coverage. It worked. You saw us breaking on the ball a little bit faster. We almost got some picks. I think that was the biggest adjustment we made. You know, going into this game, um, we talked about not so much what it was going to take for LSU to win because when you're there's such a, a disparity there, the outcome is, is a foregone conclusion. It's really, you know, what do you want to see? And for me, there were two things in particular that I wanted to see. I wanted to see uh, the rotation on the defensive line, and I wanted to see the freshman running backs. Primarily, that's what I wanted to see because you knew that Glenn Logan and Rashard Lawrence were out, and as it was, uh, Caleb on Chassaw ended up sitting as well. So you knew this was going to be an opportunity for some young defensive linemen to get him there and and really have their opportunity to show out. So instead of Lawrence and Logan, you know you saw Neil Farrell, who by the way had six tackles that tied for the second most tackles on the team. So a, a nice job there. Uh, but Farrell and Braden Foker were starting ends. Tyler Shelvin started uh, at nose tackle. But you also saw LSU run a lot of different guys out there. You saw Trevez Moore. You saw Jarrell Cherry. You saw Apu Aika, like we knew, uh, would play. Um, you saw uh, Joseph Evans get in there, the freshman defensive lineman. And the unfortunate part, and maybe it was just the way that that Northwestern State schemed it, understanding that they weren't going to be able to be more physical at the point of attack, that they just had to be pass-happy and get rid of the ball quickly – but aside from Neil Farrell, who had six tackles, which was second on the team behind Jacob Phillips, eight, you didn't really see a lot of those guys in the defensive front flash. Although Tyler Shelvin played a pretty good game at the nose, pushing the pile. Mentioned Joseph Evans, the true freshman. He came away with two tackles in the ball game in his limited snaps. But 
you really didn't see anybody flash on the screen where you thought, and that guy's got to be on the field more. I mentioned Jarrell Cherry got an opportunity to play a lot more, and he did not record a defensive statistic. So you know, this would have been a game where you thought maybe that would have been a good opportunity for some of those guys to you know, to to play what amounts to their Super Bowl. You know, like if if you look at LSU and you feel really good about Lawrence and Logan and Fajoko and Shelvin and what you got there at your starting defensive line, the question is, okay, can you rotate? Uh, and Neil Farrell obviously has proven that that he's a guy you can count on, but with some defections this offseason like Davin Cotton, you're looking for other guys. And you know, Jarrell Cherry could be a guy, and perhaps Joseph Evans, who's a a true freshman could be a guy, but you're also looking to see with Evans, okay, is he a guy that's going to play in the, you know, the the four games and still maintain a redshirt year, or in this stretch, will he prove over the next two weeks that he warrants snaps when you get you know, deeper into conference play and he's not going to take that redshirt? So these are those opportunities for those guys, and you'd hate to see him miss an opportunity. You know, Northwestern State ran for just 46 yards, but they attempted 41 passes in the ball game. So, as we mentioned, they got behind, but their their approach was also to be very pass he- pass heavy to try to mitigate or minimize that LSU rush or the the physical uh, mismatch with Northwestern State against LSU at the point of attack. And for the most part, uh, Northwestern State did for a half anyway, or maybe a quarter, maybe a little more than a quarter. What, what they had hoped to accomplish. But as you heard Ed Ogeron say there, uh, LSU made the adjustments and it paid off, and LSU's a big winner. And maybe the best news is you got to rest a lot of guys in this ballgame, which we will talk about as we get through We're talking about the defense and the offense because I know there's a lot of people who want to discuss that. So we'll knock out our first break here of Locked on LSU. We'll come back and we'll talk about the day the defense had. And certainly in that first half, a lot of people were displeased, but we'll recap what happened defensively and what our takeaways are when we come back. Locked on LSU, your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We continue Locked On LSU, your team every day. Recapping LSU's win over Northwestern State on Saturday. What a, a Certainly the offense is a gigantic story because Joe Burrow continued his record-setting pace, which we'll get to. But I think if there was anything that was the big takeaway, maybe a concern for folks coming out of the game that I heard, it was the defense and the fact that the defense allowed Northwestern State to move the ball, particularly in the first half, where you know, at one point Northwestern State led 7-3 to and you know they went to half uh, with a 24-14 deficit and actually missed a field goal, so it could have been a, a touchdown difference at the gun. You know, at the half, but uh, ultimately LSU in the second half imposed its will. And sometimes you wonder what if it, if the result had been reversed? What if LSU defensively had dominated in the first half, and in the second half it allowed yardage? Would the the feeling from fans be different? I, I don't know. But here was Ed Ogeron talking about the lack of a, of a pass rush. Again, uh, we didn't get a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback. There was a lot of quicks. There was a lot of sprints. Thought that sometimes we got cut on the edge, which would work, but we got Travez in, and he, he, I thought he did a better job on the edge. Uh, obviously, not having Michael Divinity, 
not having Caleb on Chasson makes a difference. So what Ed said right there is kind of my big, big takeaway right now uh, for this defense. You, you thought that you could physically overwhelm Northwestern State. And I would go so far as to suggest that if you had Rashard Lawrence, Glenn Logan, Michael Divinity, Caleb on Chasson, that's four of your starting front seven that were out for this game. More than half of your starting front seven out for the game. If you would have had those guys in the ball game, you probably have a much different looking result on Saturday. Go and I, I know that the the devil's advocate or the skeptic will say, well, what about a Texas? Well, what about the week before against Georgia Southern when you were physically superior to that team and allowed just 98 yards of offense? So at its max, and then like we talked about last week with Texas, my feeling is Texas is the second best offense you're going to face all year with only Bama being better. You were on the road. They made plays. Sometimes you tip your cap to the other guy because they're allowed to make plays as well. So you dominate one opponent, another opponent over the really the second half, you were unable to stop them. And then with a, a limited um, roster, you you struggle for a half and then ultimately put your thumb on him in the second half. And Ed Ogeron, we played the soundbite for you earlier in the show today where he said, look, in the first half, we're playing more zone. You know, second half, we pressed him at the line, played more man, and LSU ultimately out-athleted Northwestern State in the second half. Makes a lot of sense. Here's my takeaway from that. The big takeaway defensively is that you don't have great depth in your defensive front seven. I really like Rashard Lawrence, Glenn Logan, Tyler Shelvin in the middle, Neil Farrell as a rotational guy, Caleb Chasson on one side, probably Jacoby Stevens as a third safety playing close to the line, Divinity, Phillips in the middle, and then you've got Fulton and Stingley on the outside and Delpit back deep with what we hope would be Todd Harris, but Todd Harris was injured in this ball game as well, so maybe it's Kerry Vincent, maybe it's Cameron Lewis, maybe it's Eric Monroe, whoever it may be, but I like that look. I like that defensive starting unit. Um, not perfect, but really talented in a lot of areas. Uh, what you saw on Saturday, particularly in the first half, is when you take out Lawrence and Logan and Chasson and Divinity, it changes who you are materially in your front seven and LSU was not able to generate a pass rush against Northwestern State. So what do you think they're going to do against Auburn and Florida and Alabama and Mississippi State and Texas A&M? Like, that's the concern with this team right now is you may really like that, de that first defensive unit, but once you get into the depth, You've got some problems. Now, Ed Ogeron, after the game, did talk about this game as an opportunity to build that depth chart. I think we developed some depth today. We didn't look very good on either side of the line of scrimmage to start the football game, but I thought we finished very hard. Uh, we're going to have to make a change at second-team center. I didn't like the snaps. I'm going to put Chase on Hines at second-team center to see if something happens. Uh, thank God that we have Lloyd. Uh, we have to develop some depth if something happens. Uh, on the defensive line, obviously, we had uh, several starters out, three starters out, so we knew that. Young guys got to play. 
We'll come back to his comment about the backup center spot when we talk about the offense in the next segment. But here was that elaborating on the defensive line and developing some of those younger guys. I thought Travis Moore played good. I, I saw I thought him I saw him making some plays. Andre Anthony was in there. Joe Evans came in and you know Neil Farrell made, played most of the time. I thought Apu made some plays. So I just got to look at the film to see what guys are doing what, and hopefully we can get these guys healthy for uh, next week. We're gonna need them. So I want to be very clear about what Ed said there at the end about getting guys healthy for next week because we're going to need them. LSU is around a just shy of a three-touchdown favorite on the road against Vanderbilt this week. And because your backups didn't play flawlessly against Northwestern State does not mean that you should rush back to the field. Rashard Lawrence, Glenn Logan, Caleb on Chasson, anybody that is injured, because with or without them, you are still going to go to Nashville and you are going to beat Vanderbilt and beat them soundly because the way LSU's offense is churning right now, they will go to Vanderbilt and score 50. So even if your defense is is vulnerable in spots with some backups, you're not Vanderbilt is not going to be able to outscore you. The great there is a bigger picture goal here for this team, which is obvious at this point. They are a national championship contender. Like you got to let that soak in. LSU is a national championship contender, and you've got to protect the bigger overall goal at this point, which is winning the SEC, getting into the playoff, and winning a national championship. And you're going to beat Vanderbilt with or without Rashard Lawrence and Glenn Logan and Caleb on Chassaw. So now I think it's pretty clear guys like Divinity and Thad Moss and Sadiq Charles, who were all in uniform standing on the sideline and didn't play, I think it's understood they were withheld um, for probably the same issue that they were withheld the first game. But I I digress. We'll talk more offense in a second. Point is, those guys that are limited physically, that are battling some ailments, you are better served in the in the macro having them ready to go for Florida, not getting cold feet because your defensive backups gave up some yards against Northwestern State. You still scored 65 in that ball game and beat them 65 to 14. So got to keep the big picture macro goal in focus here. And ultimately, because of this offense, that goal is going to stay in place. Um, as far as the secondary, uh, still too many missed tackles. Grant Delpit missed another tackle, bouncing off of a of a, a ball carrier. Uh, surprised to see his inability to wrap up. Derek Stingley for the first time this year gave up a uh, a reception. It's a lofty standard, but you know what's interesting? It's very clear that when teams run a go route against him, uh, he can defend that because that's all athleticism. That's all running, jumping, playing the ball. Um where they completed balls against him were with guys putting their foot in the dirt and changing direction. So I am curious to see how teams might manipulate the middle of the field uh, against Derek Stingley moving forward. Just something to keep an eye on, but overall a really good day. Look, Stingley, Fulton, Micah Baskerville all dropped would-be interceptions. Baskerville's would have been a pick six. So they're leaving some of those opportunities out there, but again – a lot that Ed Ogeron can point to on the film to work on this week before they head to Vanderbilt, even in even in spite of a 65-14 to 14 win. 
Okay, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day, brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter the promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Download the Vivid Seats app, enter the promo code KICKOFF, and get a discount of up to $100. This is Locked on LSU. We'll talk about the offense as we wrap up next. Your team every day. Final segment here on a Monday edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day, recapping LSU's 65-14 win over Northwestern State. One of the questions a lot of people had coming in was, in a game that would probably get one-sided, would Joe Burrow be able to have the type of statistical day he would need to maintain his Heisman pace? Uh, 21 of 24 for 373 yards and two touchdowns. I would say mission accomplished for Burrow. I think this is who we are as an offense. We're going to throw the ball to open up the run. Um, we still run for over 100 yards every game. You know, we're going to take what the defense gives us. We're going to take our quick passes and, and our deep shots, and that's going to open up the run game for us. So let me allow uh, the great Todd Politz to lend some perspective on what Joe Burrow and this offense has done so far. Uh, follow Todd on Twitter if you don't already, at T Politz. Um, he's the LSU AD of digital media, and if you want LSU stats and information, uh, Politz, Todd Politz is the place to go. So as a team, LSU now has passed for 300 or more yards in four straight games. It's spanning two seasons. That is the first time that has happened in school history. Understand what you are watching, completely historic. Uh, Joe Burrow, 1,122 yards in three games so far. He's the 11th quarterback to surpass 4,000 career yards, and he's averaging 251 yards a game in 16 games at LSU. Uh, Tommy Hodson is the only other LSU passer to average 200 yards per game in his career. Joe Burrow on pace to break Hodson's record of 207 yards per game passing in his career. Also, with respect to Burrow um, uh, and LSU, 1,309 passing yards, the most in any three-game span in LSU football history. Understand what you've just seen now over the last three games, the most passing yards that LSU's ever had in a three-game span in the history of the program. Burroughs 11-22 ranks only behind the 11-43 uh, that he threw last year in a three-game span, and Rohan Davies 12-05 that he uh, uh, threw for at the end of the twenty. Uh, uh, 2001 season, November 3rd through November the 23rd. That includes the 500-yard passing day that he had at Alabama. So understand, for for context, what you're watching right now, they've never had four consecutive 400 passing yard games, which has now happened. And Burrow's three-game total is only behind a three-game total he had basically um, spanning 2018 to 29, so the end of 2018 to the beginning of this season, and then Rohan Davies' November of 2001. You are watching historic stuff right now with Joe Burrow, and it's not just Joe Burrow pacing the the LSU offense. He's leading the SEC in many categories. I mean, this LSU offense leads the SEC. No, LSU offense, number one in the SEC in scoring 55 points a game. Pass offense, 436 a game. Pass efficiency, a rating of 209. First downs with 81. Third down conversions at 57.6, and red zone offense, LSU has converted points in all 21 of their red zone trips so far this season. It's just really hard to be any better than what LSU is right now. They have been flat out 
magnificent offensively, and because they have been flat-out magnificent offensively, it is very hard to imagine, uh, even with a down defensive day, any team just overwhelming LSU. Uh, there may be that off day offensively, and you'll need the defense to pick them up, but ultimately what you have right now is a team led by a quarterback who is completing 83% of his passes. 83% of his passes. And if they need to, they will just go outscore anybody they play, and they're going to have a great shot to do that. Now, we do have to talk about the offensive line, which uh, continues to be somewhat of a problem. And it's it's relative in nature, but when you face great defensive lines like Florida or what you're going to see against Texas A&M or even Alabama, which has a really banged-up front seven but still is very talented, that offensive line has to improve. Here's Ed Ogeron talking about how concerned he may be with the running game right now. Yeah, I wasn't pleased with the running game. I mean, they, they were stuffing us up front. We've put in some gap plays. We've put in some counters and stuff like that. And it's stuff that should should be difficult for the defense. But we got to look at the film. We weren't blocking it very right. Now we had, you know, Sadiq wasn't out, out there tonight. So let's, I'm going to see what happened on, on the line of scrimmage. You heard Ed Ogeron mention there that Sadiq Charles, the starting left tackle, was not uh, available in this game or did not play in this game. But Ed Ogeron said that in and of itself uh, isn't worth making excuses. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's the situation that we're in. Obviously, we got to deal with it. You know, we're not going to make an excuse. Uh, next man up. Uh, hopefully, Sadiq is going to be ready for next week, and I think he will be. And uh, we, we've got to we got to do better on the offensive line. We're going to be playing against some better defensive lines coming up. We're going to face some pressure. We have to protect the quarterback, and I think those guys are answer the, they're going to answer the bill. If LSU can get Ed Ingram back, that would just be a massive boost to this offensive line. I, I don't even think that that's. Uh, that's hyperbole at this point. He would be a like a, a free agent addition at a piece of need, not a luxury, uh, a necessity. But when you sift through the game, Joe Burrow was masterful. He did throw the one interception, but Miles Brennan came in, was eight of nine in the ball game, and really efficient as well. The Tigers overall um, were uh, were fantastic on offense. Uh, Terrace Marshall had six catches for seventy five yards. Very quietly, Justin Jefferson goes over 100 receiving yards again, 5 for 124. We saw some young guys make plays. Jeray Jenkins had five catches. John Trey Kirkland, two grabs for 75 yards, including in the third quarter, the first series that John Emery got in the ballgame on first down. They ran a slant to John Trey Kirkland, and he took it 61 yards, which was fascinating, You know, just so fun to watch. Ty Davis-Price had a couple of receptions. Devontae Lee had a catch, as did Torrey Carter. And right out the shoot, first play of the game, they got the ball to Stephon Sullivan. We talked about why, you know, where Sullivan had been through the first three weeks. Well, here he is, uh, Thad Moss uh, out for the game, and Stephon Sullivan ends up with four catches for 51 yards. And man, how cool as well! You talk about the young guys, Trey Palmer, wearing the 33, uh, returned one punt, 54 yards for a touchdown, his first score at the college level. Uh, Derek Stingley had three punt returns for 54 yards along of 26, and you kind of felt like he was close to busting one. And then in the second half, Trey Palmer did. So all in all, a really fun day offensively. A lot of people asked where the freshman running backs were. We got to see both John Emery and Ty Davis-Price in the second half. And you probably started to see what I've been talking about throughout this entire offseason. Ty Davis-Price is just a different back. Uh, seven carries for 29 yards. Averaged over four yards a carry, whereas John Emery, three carries for just four yards. Um, Ty Davis-Price is a no-nonsense, 
square your shoulders, get upfield, invite contact, and run through would-be tacklers. He is a punishing runner, and he's different than every other runner that LSU has, which is why the coaches love him, which is why he's been getting opportunities ahead of John Emery. It's just obvious. He's a different style of back in an offense that has three or four backs that all kind of do the same thing, and then here's this big six foot one, two hundred and thirty pound monster that wants to go run over people, and that's going to be welcome, especially if there comes a time where LSU needs to salt a game away or get that short yardage. Ty Davis Price looks like he is that guy. All right, uh, let's put a button on this, y'all. When we come back tomorrow, uh, Ed Ogeron will have met with the media for his Monday press luncheon. We'll let you hear what the coach had to say. Update on injuries, absent players, and the Tigers getting ready for Vanderbilt. So that's on tomorrow's Tuesday edition of the Locked on LSU podcast. In the meantime, please share this podcast along. If you've not done so yet, rate us on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. All of that is a massively helpful, and we appreciate it greatly. Until tomorrow, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day.